0: Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and we are headed into part three of all about Isaiah and Nephi and Isaiah in the Book of Mormon for Come, Follow Me. All right, so part one and two of all about, we have gone through a couple of things, and it's kind of the, the setting and a number of the foundational setup points. And today I want to talk about some of my favorite is structure. Now, this might not sound the most exciting to you, but I to me, this has just been mind-blowing to start to see the structure of these books and take a step back, and and then it really helps open up what's going on in the story. So just like you do when you watch a movie or read a novel, when you get to know some of the structure of the book, the beginning, middle, end, or some other uh, plot moving devices in these stories, it really helps you understand what's going to come up and what's going on. So today, let's go through a little bit of that and how it's going to help us understand, understand Isaiah. I know I've talked about this in the past, but one of the things that we are really good at as uh, saints is we get into the small point of the scripture. So we might take a scripture and take the biggest, uh, say, I'm just going to read a chapter and then you kind of say, well, boy, this, this verse or two really stuck out to me, this paragraph. And then you might even go to a sentence or a phrase or a word itself and just really delve in. And that is a great practice. Um, the other direction is also really helpful, but one we don't practice quite as much, at least I haven't. So uh, this has been something we do a lot more in school as we take a much bigger approach, kind of take a step back. So as you're reading through, in the Book of Mormon, you'll notice, I think, a couple of things. One, we've noticed that Nephi has two books. First, Nephi seems to be a lot of laying the groundwork, right? There are some amazing fundamentals uh, of the gospel in there. Uh, So I'm not saying it doesn't have that, but it does have a lot of story. So you see a lot of story in it. So if you broke it up, you would see the Lehi, um, section 1 through 5, you're going to see about getting the brass plates leaving Jerusalem, Lehi's visions, right? Like this foundational story. Then you see as they come back and you start to see the vision of the the tree of life and then Nephi's call and then how they actually get all the way to the promised land and what happened. How do they possibly become these Nephites and Lamanites? What what set all this in motion for them to come to the promised land, leave Jerusalem, but also break into two different really fundamental groups so that when you get to the Book of Mormon part, you've got these Nephi- Le- Nephites and Lamanites. And, and you're like, how did we even get there? We'll set all that up. Now, of course, throughout all that, you'll see the Lord's hand and you'll see these themes. And Second Nephi is different. Second Nephi is much more sermon, right? You don't have so much narrative. There isn't so much story and plot. In fact, it goes something like this. It starts with Lehi giving blessings to his sons, and so you see those, and so the first couple chapters you see that he gives it to Laman and Lemuel, Sam, uh, maybe the sons of Ishmael mentioned, and then Jacob, second Nephi two, and then Joseph three, and some of the last visions of Lehi, and then you see Jacob going to give some. Um, some prophecies of what's going to go on. And so they're really these recorded sermons is what they look like. So you're going to see Jacob giving them and then it moving on to Nephi. And so Nephi's had you know, it's 30 or 40 years from the time they've left Jerusalem. And he's going to take a step back and say, if I was going to give any message to my family in the future, what would I tell them? Also the things that he said were most important about the Messiah and the Uh, spiritual matters of his people. These were his writings. And then Mormon and Moroni, as they are putting together the Book of Mormon, they see our day and they say, this is what you're going to need to know. So these are going to be a little more sermony; They're not going to be as many stories and storytelling, but they're the things that I think are these really powerful, hard-hitting, deep scriptures. As we come into these, they keep using Isaiah. And so you think, well, why? And I think a couple of things is this this structure. One, we know that this second Nephi, there's going to be a lot more sermons, but they also do an interesting structural thing. When we go back and learn Isaiah in the Bible, for those of you who have studied it um, like all of us, many times. They'll go through and they'll teach you about the history of the northern and the southern kingdoms, and they'll teach about what was going on with Assyria and Babylon, and they'll tell you about a bunch of those things. Those are important, and they will make a lot more sense if you look at the map and understand. And we probably need a little bit of that for sure. However, that's not what Nephi and Jacob are doing. Uh, Nephi and Jacob are using these scriptures and as Nephi says, to liken them. He's saying, I want to Use them to teach something. And so he is finding that Isaiah is going to teach a lot about the gospel. And he doesn't teach the whole thing, right? Um, I made a little chart. I just kind of typed this up. Um, I might, maybe I'll make a link to it in my notes, but I just typed up uh, for 1st and 2nd Nephi where the chapters are and then what they match to. So it'll say, like in 1st Nephi, you actually get a couple of chapters of Isaiah, which you remember 1st Nephi 20 and 21. And you see Isaiah 48 and 49. And now we're going to come into 2 Nephi 7 and 8. And you're going to get Isaiah 50, 51, and 52. And then there's a break. And then you're going to get to 2 Nephi 12. And it's going to go, that matches up with Isaiah 2. And then it goes right in order. So 2 Nephi 12 through 2 Nephi 24 matches up with Isaiah 2 through Isaiah 14. So really that's Isaiah, let's you didn't get Isaiah one. You didn't get like the middle, whole middle section of Isaiah from sixteen on. And you didn't get the very end of Isaiah either. So so they're picking and choosing what they want to use for their sermons. They're likening it. One other thing that I think is really great is that Jacob and Nephi do something really interesting, which is kind of how we give talks. But they, if they're going to give you a lecture, they're going to write this talk down. In Nephi's case, as he's writing these plates and telling, he he tells you the theme of his scriptures. I think of it like a frame, right? He's going to set it up. He's going to frame it. He's going to tell us what he's going to speak about. He's going to use Isaiah to support it. And then at the end, he's going to come back and kind of reframe it. So he's going to... Uh, frame it use isaiah and kind of recap frame isaiah recap that's kind of the structure that nephi and jacob kind of use and that helps me say what's this middle section of isaiah about yes i might want to know about king hezekiah and all this stuff going on in, in assyria and babylon but they are picking and choosing certain parts as we just said are the ones we're going to need So as we come in to try it in the first Nephi section, go back to first Nephi 19 and see if you don't see what the frame is or what the setup is. It's like the softball. He's going to throw him a softball and then hit it and then, you know, field it. I don't know. a terrible metaphor. Okay. So go back and see if you can see it in first Nephi 19. And then after in first Nephi 22, right, see what those two ends of the bookends are, the frame and the recap. In Second Nephi, what we were covering this last week was again Jacob's frame. So this isn't Nephi; this is Jacob. So go to uh, First Nephi five, and we're going to go through two or three verses there. And Jacob is going to set up this framework. Then he's going to read Isaiah fifty and fif- fifty through fifty-two. So he's going to read uh, two or three chapters of Isaiah, and then he's going to come back in chapter nine and teach more. And he's going to summarize it at the end of. Second Nephi nine fifty three. So he's gonna say, here's what I want to talk about. He's gonna talk about it and do it. So let's go to Second Nephi five two and five and see if you can see this framework because I think it's pretty cool. Oh, I misspoke. It's uh, Second Nephi six five. Uh, go on from chapter Second Nephi. Six, about three through five from there. And this is what he says. So it says, Jacob has been called and he's going to give um, a, a sermon or a, a speech of some kind. And he says, Nevertheless, I speak unto you again, for I'm desirous for the welfare of your souls. Yea, mine anxiety is great for you. And ye yourselves know that it ever has been. For I have exhorted you with all diligence, and I have taught you the words of my father, and I have and I have spoken unto you concerning all things which are written from the creation of the world. And now behold, I would speak, this is it, this is what he's gonna, why he's going to use Isaiah, I've done all those things before, I'm anxious for you, my, I'm worried about your souls, and now I'm going to tell you something else. He says, now behold, I would speak unto you concerning things which are and which are to come. Wherefore, I will read unto you the words of Isaiah. And they are the words which my brother has desired that I should speak unto you. And I speak unto you for your sakes, that ye may learn and glorify the name of your God. And now the words which I shall read are they which Isaiah spake concerning the house of Israel. Wherefore, they may be likened unto you, for ye are of the house of Israel. And there are many things which have been spoken by Isaiah, which may be like and done to you because you are the house of, uh, of Israel. And these are his words. Okay, so did you catch it? He's worried about their souls. He's worried that they understand these things. But he's saying, I'm going to speak to you about things that are, to, that are and are to come. And also because my brother is assigning me this topic, which I find super interesting because it's like uh, Nephi's favorite scriptures here in a second. He quotes them a million times. And he says that they're about the house of Israel and you're the house of Israel. And here's another one of those likening. You always think that it's First Nephi 19, but Jacob learned the lesson. He says, we can take these lessons that Isaiah and we can liken them unto ourselves. We don't have to necessarily go back and read everything about what it meant in the ancient times for Israel. We can see that he was speaking about our day too. So this is for us, this is for us. So that's his frame. So catch that. So he's going to tell us, and then he's going to go right into it. And these are his words Thus saith the Lord, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles. Okay. So then he's going to tell us, I'm going to talk to you because I'm worried. I I'm to talked to about things that are to come, and I'm going to tell you about it because it's about the house of Israel, and you're the house of Israel. Okay. Then when you go to, he talks for a couple of chapters, and he uses Isaiah, uh, you know, around 50, 52, through there a little bit. And then as he gets done, he changes gears and he tells us about Christ himself. So then he's going to talk about the covenants and he's going to go on with that brilliant sermon of 2 Nephi 9. At the end of 2 Nephi 9, I think we'll see the recap a little bit. If we go down to the very, it's a very long chapter, uh, 52 and 53, I think are great to kind of He's finishing up his talk to the people. And he's just talked so much about the Holy One of Israel. He's talked about the atoning sacrifice of Christ. He's talked about uh, the covenants and about the remnant of Israel. And he says, Behold, my beloved brethren, remember the words of your God. Pray unto him continually day by day, uh, by day and give thanks unto his holy name by night. Let your hearts rejoice. And here it comes. And now, how great are the covenants of the Lord and how great his condescensions unto the children of men and because of his greatness and his grace and his mercy he has promised unto us that our seed shall not utterly be destroyed according to the flesh but that he should preserve them and in the future generations they shall become a righteous branch unto the house of Israel it seems like here he's he's telling us I'm going to tell you about things to come I'm worried about you and then reminds us to rejoice because the Lord is going to remember his covenants and that you are part of the house of Israel. So those are going to be the messages that he's going to have captured in this talk. And then he says, oh, tomorrow I'll come back and teach us more, okay? So he does that frame, and I think that's super helpful when seeing Isaiah in the Book of Mormon. Now, Isaiah in the Old Testament he doesn't do that, right? It's a bunch of uh, writings and you may not get kind of the theme captured. So this is really helpful. So as we go into the next part of Isaiah or you go back into 1 Nephi, see if you don't see how Nephi and Jacob are doing that. It, it's really helpful, I think, to kind of get the view and the overview. All right, next, let's talk about how Isaiah frames his books, though, and his writings because he has some similar themes for him that will help as we dig into that as well. So let's talk about that next. Right. So Isaiah in the Old Testament, and obviously what we're quoting here, same Isaiah, of course, it seems to have a structure that is helpful in seeing it. And I think of it kind of like pages of a book, like the two sides of the book. So on one side, you're going to see one theme and it's going to be judgment. It's going to be, hey, this is what's going to happen to you or why you're deserving in this terrible judgment. And that's where you say, If you kind of remember what was going on, where the northern kingdom was already gone and the southern kingdom was soon to be gone, and we know from Lehi that he said Jerusalem has been destroyed, and that is true. So Jerusalem gets sacked by the Babylonians and the people um, killed uh, or taken away into basically slavery and servitude. And so (laughs) the kingdom is destroyed, and it's never really going to regain its uh, former glory until the second coming. Now, obviously Jews have regained Jerusalem, but the rest of the 10 tribes are still out there somewhere. So, there's this judgment, and so that theme is going to come across a lot. In in Isaiah 1 through 12, you're going to see a lot of about judgment for Jerusalem itself. Um in the, the next chunk, 13 and 14 that we cover, you're going to see about judgment for the nations. So, you're going to see more there. But The contrast, the other side of the book, is hope. And so while Isaiah and the Lord are going to constantly be saying, this is why these things have happened to you, or stop doing these things, or beware of these things, there's always going to be the other side of the book, the hope. So it's going to be hope for Jerusalem, hope for the nations, hope for all people. And so those two sides of the book seem to be kind of linked with a linking um, chain in a way, and that is, that the remnant who's going to be this hope is going to be this remnant of the house of Israel that's going to be brought back. So those two halves, hope and judgment, judgment and hope um, are going to come back and forth and back and forth. And then part of it is going to be seen in how through this remnant, this linking chain. So as you go through and say in Isaiah fifty right, that 50, 51, 52, the Lord loves thee, your shame, um, there's shame and honor speech there, and how they've left him, and then, but he is going to say, awake, there's hope, and then, you know, 2 Nephi 8, look back, you're part of the covenant, the Lord will bless you, hope, right, so it's going to be this hope. When you get to the next chunk, um, Jacob is going to talk about, uh, in in 9, he's going to talk about Christ being part of that hope. Then, when you get to the next section of Isaiah, the big chapters that we always think of are oh, in the Isaiah chapters, Isaiah second uh, Nephi 12 through second Nephi 24, so you can get a dozen chapters in there, you're going to see a lot of hope. You're going to see Uh, Latter-day Temple, the gathering of Israel, Um, you're going to see uh, redemption, the millennial day, you're going to see the ensign brought to nations, the vision of the Lord himself, uh, Christ being born, um, the Messiah being a light, and David's throne being restored, and the destruction of the enemy, and it's going to be, hooray, hooray, you're going to see Israel being gathered, Lucifer cast down, you're going to see a lot of these hopeful things. However, you're gonna hear a lot of judgment, right? So when you look back, you're gonna hear uh, it's most of them are poems, by the way. So if you're like, I can't follow this, there's probably reason because it's written in poetry. But you're gonna see some of these: the Judah and Jerusalem being punished, the Lord pleading for them, how the people have left. The uh, Christ will be a stumbling block to some um, uh, of the ancient of Jews. How um, there's gonna be Babylon and destruction. So judgment, 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 right? So. Just just watch those themes. I think of them, again, as two sides of a book. One side is judgment. The other page is hope, linked together with the remnant of Israel bringing us all back together. All right? So as you read through those, see if you don't start to see those, as well as the themes we've already talked about, the atoning Messiah, the covenants, the new and everlasting covenant, and the scattering and gathering of Israel, the remnant, right, coming back. So as we see those all, I think it'll really help to bring that together. All right, scriptorians. I think that's it for this time. Number three, the structure of Isaiah in the Book of Mormon. You're going to see the framing. You're going to see judgment and hope brought together by the remnant. And you're going to see some great themes of the atoning Messiah. All right. Next time, we'll jump right in.